Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Going Upstairs podcast from Opening Up Cricket. Now it has been quite a while since there was an episode shared with you. I think we're going back to early part of July with the pre-season series sessions being uh, replayed via the podcast format. And then before that, we've got to go back to pre-season for a chat with Dustin Melton about dealing with injuries. I would recommend that one definitely for anyone to take in. So this delay, I think, really goes to show just how life can get in the way of things, really. Uh, it's been a tough summer for open, opening up cricket. I personally have had big change in circumstances with a newborn child and all the upheaval that that brings is welcome as it is. So things like podcasts and videos and sessions have taken a back seat. But a real key thing I found with well-being is to understand and accept the situation and realise what your boundaries are, what you can do and what you can't do. And after all, everyone involved here at Open Up Cricket is doing it in their spare time for the love of it. So even though it can feel a little bit frustrating not being able to do as much as in the past and develop things in that way, there's got to be a certain calmness to understanding that it's just not possible at the moment. But as time moves on, look forward to getting more people involved and more things out there for people. But thank you for listening to this anyway. I'll move on in a moment to the topic at hand, and that is Carl Rogers and cricket coaching. For those who know who Carl Rogers is, you might think, how does that fit into cricket coaching? For those who don't, I'm going to introduce you to a, someone who's been incredibly influential from a distance for me. Hopefully the cricket coaching bit is a bit of a hook. And we're thinking about the philosophy behind what we do if we are cricket coaches, how the relationship with those that we coach can be a really crucial part of developing not only the player but the coach as well as a human being and without putting too far in a point on it it can be one of the most rewarding relationships that you end up um, engaging with so we'll move on to that in just a moment Lovely there to give myself a round of applause for introducing this part of the podcast. I'm going to just explain this as briefly as I can, with the idea being it's uh, food for thought for people who are cricket coaches or who have an interest in the development of players and well-being. They don't have to be things which are separate. And I think the influence for me of Carl Rogers is one which has helped me in the fairly limited experience, admittedly, that I've had of coaching, to start to shape a philosophy and to put into practice some keys to well-being, which can then influence people, hopefully, but also help yourself with your understanding of what you what you're about as a coach, what you're about as a friend, as a supporter. Um, and really how the principles of counselling can have an impact on how we interact with others within cricket. So I wrote a blog about this a little while ago, and I'll include the link to that in the show notes if you want to just see that little bit more of it. But I'm going to explain here 
how Carl Rogers has influenced my coaching philosophy. And I'll just explain a bit of the background here. As we all do, I'd imagine every person who is listening to this, I, I love cricket. It's the constant in my life ever since I was a child where I be, find it a source of endless fascination. There's so many things to get caught up with, whether it be the statistical element of it, whether it be that watching technical aspects of the game, discussing best 11s with friends, playing it myself as well. And that's really what I'd, I suppose, subconsciously battled with for a number of years is my own playing. And this deep interest that I possess for the sport has never been accompanied with an ability to play cricket well. So I'm not a good player. I play and I really enjoy it, particularly over these last few years where I've managed to separate the outcome from the process and just enjoy the fact that I'm out there playing cricket, that I'm amongst uh, friends in the great outdoors, that there is opportunities to contribute to the game, not just in runs and wickets. So for me... Not being not a good player has put me off historically being a coach. Now, as a teacher, there's some elements of coaching which I do for a living. And having been a teacher now for about 10 years, it should be that I have more confidence in coaching cricket because really what I can do as a teacher is hopefully, explain things clearly, be able to produce a structure for a session so that it's easy to follow, that there's outcomes that are supposed to be achieved, that there's processes that can be followed. And also that things like patience, enthusiasm should be present within what I do. But that aspect of not being able to show show or lead by example had restrained me quite a bit. So 2020, when we had the the lockdown, I thought I really want to do my best to improve as a cricket player. Not to reach uh, a level where I'm doing it for a living or getting paid for it or even playing at a particularly high standard. But just for me to improve to be the best that I can be. And that was something which... I'd been reluctant to do in the past, really, because I had a fear of if I really put the effort into practice and I'm still not very good, then is that a waste of time? Well, thankfully, I've overcome that that concept. And yeah, 2020 really got into a bit of training, which was purposeful. And I've not really had anyone to properly coach me since I was a junior In 2020, I was 34. And apart from the odd bit of pointing out things within games, often not helpful, like pitch it up, uh, or you should have played this shot, I'd not had anything which was constructive or helpful or specific. So I was fortunate that I had two friends who were netting at the same time as me, during those lockdown restrictions where you could only have two people having a net with each other separate and so on. So a little bit of it was shouting across the nets, a little bit of 
working a bit more closely. So these two guys, mates of mine, Rob Horton, Paul Morris, offered some help about my run-up as a medium-paced bowler and a couple of other bits and my confidence then started to grow. So the outcome for that, moving towards the coaching aspect, was that I felt that if I could make those improvements with some people being patient and offering their perspective, then perhaps I can be someone that would be able to pass that on to to other people. Yet, even now, I still am reluctant to give advice, to pass on things which might seem as instructions or or my view on what they should do, because I'm still acutely aware that I'm not evidence of best practice. And I know that you don't have to be a good player to be a good coach. And I'm still working through building my confidence to be able to do that. But what I can do and what I'm prepared to do and what I really enjoy doing when I get the the time is being there for someone to help them improve their game because I know the benefit I felt from having someone be there to, to help me with that. So a lot of what I will try to do if it's working one-to-one with a player or with a small group is be a facilitator, be someone that can provide an environment for them, for them to work on specific aspects of their game. And it can just be throwing balls. It can just be recording what they're doing on the phone. It could be looking out for something that they've identified to say where a certain body part is at certain times. But really, what's led me to have the confidence to put myself out there and offer my time to people? Because I still, whenever I type messages and put them in a a WhatsApp group or in Spond or in other places for my club members to read, as I type the offer... I sort of have another voice in my head saying, why would anyone want to take you up on that? You're not uh, someone who's got the ability to be able to to help. And I think that is still thinking about my own ability as a player rather than my ability as a teacher or a coach. But I push through it and I try to build confidence by by doing and saying, right, well, Actually, I really do think I can help the player if they they want that. And it's not going to be te- very technical. It's not going to be about the technical elements of the game. I'm going to trust that the player knows what they want. And I do, for the most part, work with adults who will have varying degrees of understanding of what they want from a session. But a lot of the time, we'll be glad of having just another pair of eyes or someone to do it with them. So that's all going on, ongoing process. But in a parallel part of my life, I've been studying uh, counselling. And a name that comes up so often is that of Carl Rogers. And I would encourage anyone to read a little bit about him to perhaps watch on YouTube some of the videos where he does counselling sessions to understand the philosophy that underpinned his writings on counselling and his practice of it. His person-centred theory 
forms so much of the learning that exists in this area. In the study that I've done so far, it's been heavily influenced by Carl Rogers. And even when other theories have been brought in, it's generally been to compare with Rogers. And I did study that with half a mind on opening up cricket. Half an eye, not half a mind. Half an eye on opening up cricket, looking at ways in the well-being area that can be integrated into cricket. But I hadn't thought until reasonably recently about how that could influence coaching and a very direct route to helping people with their game, but also being an option for someone to talk and listen about other things. So once I started to look at the components of Roger's theory of therapy, it made me then think how that almost by accident, or probably not accident because the two things have been going on at the same time and subconsciously they must have merged, how his theory really does embody what my coaching philosophy is. And if we've got coaches listening, it's always worth making a a note of what we consider our coaching philosophy to be. What's our role? What do we give to the players? What can we expect uh, from them and so on? So some things that I'll just mention briefly, and these may be things that people do um, already. The first one, a big element of the relationship that Rogers outlined between the therapist and the and the client is that of congruence. So I suppose being genuine, being authentic. And for me, my trepidation sometimes around my playing backgrounds and being with a player who I look at and think they're so much better than me, what possibly can I offer them to help improve? That's what made me shy away from helping in the past. But now I am open about that and it's almost the introduction that I'll say when I have a session with someone that you know, I'm not the best player, but I'm happy to help. What would you like to work on? And so on. And I'll signpost to other resources in terms of good clip that Ricky Ponting did or this article that you could read uh, about Bob Woolmer, those kind of things. So maybe I will feel the, won't feel the need one day to alert people to my own playing background. But that congruence has made me feel a bit more comfortable. And it sets out what I feel I can do for a player. And that is, yeah, I'll throw to them. I'll catch for them. I'll watch something. I'll be creative with drills that are available. I'll I'll pick up from others, maybe adapt. I'll ask them questions. And overall, really, I'll respond to what they want. And that's the key for me, for just for me, for others it's different. For me, it's responding to what they want and trusting that that player, I guess, knows themselves better than, than I do, which, which, which they do in my experience. So alongside that authenticity, I'm never going to jump in and be overly technical because that wouldn't feel right for me. Maybe in years to come, if I've done a lot of uh, training and understanding of some 
very technical elements of cricket, then I might authentically do that. But now, if I start was starting to go down that road, I would feel like it's not the right thing for me to be doing. I would feel like I'm talking about something I don't know. Whereas I am comfortable talking about something that I've just seen or asking a question to find out more about what someone wants, pointing to a resource. So that authenticity underpins it. Another thing, and this is so influential in counselling, and I think can be so, well, it's hard to find the words, but it can be so impactful in any area of life, is the unconditional positive regard. So this means in counselling terms that the person who is in front of you, the client, you consider positively no matter what they share or say. You have that ongoing positivity about that person. can be difficult. Someone might share something which you feel offended by or you disagree with their actions. But the idea is that to be completely uh, on on side and be able to help them, that positive regard needs to be unconditional. We can't be saying, I will uh, listen and and take care of this person if they've done this or if they haven't done that. And I think in terms of cricket coaching, seeing the player in a positive light and believe that they are of worth as they are. So yes, a player may want to improve, but we're not in a massive hurry to jump in and unpick every element of their technique because we want to move them to something else. Now, it may of course be appropriate for someone who's more skilled than me to make an intervention regarding certain technical elements. But as I've said, I'm not a technical coach, so I'm looking to say, right, what do we have? What does this person have as a player? And I will believe that that is of worth, but but also the person in front of me. So having that 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 feeling of going right i'm going to regard them positively no matter what pops up during the session even if they don't particularly follow my instructions or anything that might negatively impact my view of them trying to keep that ability to to focus positively and i was influenced very much as a as a young player by my coach at my club um, as i grew up uh, javid was someone who taught me that who I was, was enough for the team. I didn't need to be a strike bowler or a heavy run scorer to have value to the team. So we can get caught up in cricket and in life with, I'll be okay if I reach this point. I'll be a good person if I can get this qualification or this job. I'll be a good cricketer. I'll be a useful cricketer. I'll be important to the club if I can score 500 league runs this season. And of course, we would like to do that. But what you're offering already is of worth. That's something which is the starting point for me when working with a player. Uh, You being here and you being involved, that's, that's great. And yes, we'll try and improve things, but you are enough as you as you are. And it might be they get a string of centuries. They might be on a row of ducks. 
they're still valued and someone I want to support. And I think it can be easy or easier to want to work with a player who's absolutely smashing it and you're thinking, look at me, my intervention and they're banging out these hundreds or they're, they're taking fifers for fun. Someone who's having consistently less impressive statistical performances, it might be harder to work with. But if you have that positive regard for the player, then that makes it so much easier. Um, And then finally, it all mixes up and maybe this makes sense, maybe it doesn't. I think, you know, empathy is a word that's used a heck of a lot, but it's sometimes misunderstood. So, a benefit of of me not having my own successes to draw on is I don't have an experience to impose on others. So I can't be saying, really, uh, this works for me. This is what you should do because it got me here. I'm all about trying to understand their perspective. What in the session do they want to achieve? So first and foremost, in the moment, what do they want? And what do they want longer term? Why is it that they've said, I want to work on my back foot defence. What's that going to lead towards? Um, So that can lead me to think, right, that's what they want. I want to understand their perspective as much as I can. But empathising with them is going in their shoes, not going in their shoes and then relating it to me. So, yes, I, in a sense, am fortunate that I work almost entirely with adults So they have a fair idea of what they want. But part of it can be about helping them understand what they want a little bit more. Um, I used in the blog an example that uh, if if the player just wants someone to give them throwdowns, they don't want feedback about how it's going. They don't want anything other than 100 balls thrown uh, at sort of leg stump. Uh, good length that's what they want then it's not for me in my view it's not for me to then say should we try something else now I know other coaches everyone's different might want to direct things a bit more but for me if that's what they want from the session if they have if they've reached a point where they have analyzed that that is what they need from the session so be it because they can't give themselves those hundred balls in that place I'm someone who can do that so I will have helped and at the end of the session and at the end of the day the whole thing that I'm referencing here is about being someone to help and hopefully with the rapport and the relationship there I'm also someone who they feel they can express some of who would who they are they can express some things that they might find difficult or struggling with within cricket. And I'm a huge believer in if we can, in walks of life such as our recreation and cricket, if we can express a vulnerability there and realise that it's fine and it's been received well and we haven't been judged for it, then it's much easier then with other emotions and other parts of our life, whether it be our health, our well-being, it then is something where we feel I can share. So, yeah, if I was to sum up my philosophy, it would be I'm not a great player, but I'm here to help you. 
Of course, I'd like with more confidence in time to come it to just be the second part and just say I'm just here to help you. But in terms of trying to be authentic and trying to be honest with people, at the moment, I feel I have to say that first bit as I begin moving along my my coaching journey more. So there we go. A few thoughts for you. It might be that you disagree with absolutely everything and you think that my philosophy is ridiculous and you don't want to go anywhere near it, um, which is which is absolutely fine. Or it could be there's some bits and bobs in there which just overlap with what you think or there's something that you can go away and do from there. Some things I'd signpost you to to finish. Carl Rogers, read a bit about him and his theory, but read about it through a lens of cricket. And it matches up so well, in my opinion. And also, I would say, if you're a coach and you're looking at ways of trying to develop a rapport and a bond with players, just reflect on sessions about where we can give opportunities for players to self-reflect and to share a little bit um, something they're struggling with, something they would like help with, but also something that's going well. Just getting those conversations going, making ourselves an option for someone to speak to about how they feel, because that at the end of the day is what this is all about. Thank you for listening. Any comments, etc. appreciated, but I'll catch you next time. Cheers. (laughs) 